The winter meetings are less than one week away. One position you probably won't hear about for the Guardians at winter meetings is second base because there'll be no changes there in 2024. Or will they? We'll talk about it today on Lockdown Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. I am Jeff, and I'm trying desperately not to cough. Over there is Justin. Uh, I think it's pretty safe that the Cleveland Guardians will not get the second base. They will not get any second baseman at these winter meetings. They have enough of them. They do not need any more. We're going to get into all of them. We're going to talk about the guys who were here this year. There's really no one who's gone, and we will get into the future. Uh, an interesting discussion because from top to bottom, from you know T to B, second base was a disappointment for the Guardians. It was a disappointment in the minors. It was a disappointment in the majors. You know, Juan Brito, one can argue, is the shining star, but then it's, it's kind of also the whole Nolan Jones of it all kind of all, also balances that out. So it's going to lead to, I think, a really good discussion of what went wrong and why and what we can think will happen because they went from gold glove and silver slugger. Was he both in? Uh, There's at least a candidate for the silver slugger. No, no silver slugger. No, he did. Andre Sabinas did start the all-star game in 2022. He was uh, sixth in MVP voting that year, shockingly. But yeah. yeah. So no, he didn't lose the Silver Slugger this year, um, but he did have another gold glove, another platinum glove. We'll talk about that. There's the contract he signed we'll have to talk about. And, yeah, all the guys in the minors, too. First, thanks for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today, every day, wherever you get podcasts. 80 subscribers away from YouTube. Yesterday we were, what, 86? So yes. only need uh, 80 more of you to create an account and watch this and subscribe or create 79 other accounts that you don't own. And subscribe so we can shut up about this. So you can uh, make us move on from using this scroll every day on YouTube and uh, talking about it on the podcast every day that you're listening to, but not watching on YouTube. Um, if you don't watch, but you have a YouTube account, you should still subscribe so we can move on to more fun things like Andre Semenis. Uh, not as fun in 2023, but still a very fun player. Um, Again, Gold Glover and the Platinum Glove. Jeff did a whole show on the Platinum Glove thing. So if you want to understand what that is, go back about two weeks and Jeff explains all of that. But my dad asked me, so I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to do a show about this. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Last year, down year for for Andre Semenis, a guy who started the All-Star game in 2022 and then, you know, dipped dipped a lot last year in terms of overall production. His WRC Plus, which is later on Career Plus, fell below league average, which is 100 to 97. So not, you know, terrible, but he was at a 142 in 2022, which we both agree was probably unsustainable for reasons we'll get into, but it's probably a career he still year. ended the year. Yeah, it could have been a career year. He did still end the year with 15 homers, He, which was one off his, two off his pace in 2022. He ended the year with 30 steals and 36 chances, which was 
better than his 20 for 23 performance in 2022. So he improved in those areas uh, for sure. And again, the defense was extremely solid. And then, of course, there's the contract that, that this went into. Um, he signed a contract coming into the season, which is seven year, $106.5 million deal that he signed. And he has a $23 million option for 2020, 2030. Gosh, 2030 is, is quickly approaching, isn't it? The two and a half million dollar. No, no, it is not. (laughs) We can deny it all we would like. But uh, yeah, Andre Semenez is here for the foreseeable future. Next year, he's only going to make five million. So that's good. Then it goes up to 10 in 2025. It goes up to 15 in 2026. And from there on out, it is $23 million a year. And then they have that that, uh, $23 million option in 2030 or a two and a half million dollar buyout. So he's here for a long time. We'll talk about where he might end up in the future. Um, and who else Cleveland has, but, uh, you know, the big question uh, here is offensive regression. Yes. Before we get to that one, I I have have one to throw you away. One that I I did not tell you about because everyone loves when we pull things out. So he is going to play next year at age 25. He'll turn 26 in September. Uh, they like those guys with September birthdays uh, between him and Jose. Mm -hmm. He has two gold gloves. If he stays at second base, do you think he can challenge former guardian grade? Roberto Alomar for a record of 10. Do you think there's a world where he can get there? If he stays at second base? Yes. Yes, at second base, I do think so. But there also is, you know, the attrition rate of second baseman can be high. Look at, not that Jason Kipnis was a great defender, but we've seen second baseman in Cleveland kind of fall off a cliff. Like Carlos Baerga back in the day, although that was more weight related than anything, unfortunately. And then Carlos liked the party. Carlos liked to have fun, and hey, look, he Carlos is fun. still a fun and guy. Yes, and you know Kipnis, Kipnis was always beat up. Like that's one of those guys mm-hmm. who just health issues were dating back to college. I believe. Second baseman, the position. I think the position just lends itself to some injuries because you're the way you're receiving the ball at second base, being slid into. You know, it's a demanding position. I think that's why you see a lot of guys go through injuries at that position over their career. So, um, yeah, I I think he could challenge it for sure. But, you know, it does take health. As long as he's healthy, I think he absolutely will if he doesn't play another position. Um, Some of the fall off last year for Jimenez, I think, could be contributed to this. So he carried a 351 or 353 average on balls in play in 2022, which is there's not really any player in baseball that sustains that level of. But I thought Will Benson and Nolan Jones are going to sustain their 380 and 400. That's what everyone. Oh yes, of. absolutely. I mean, Luisa Rise didn't even didn't even uh, sustain that high of an average on balls in play, did he? No, he's he's at like I want to say he's in the 340s. Um, so similar to what uh, um, Andres did. <laughs> yeah. So. But, maybe, but he, that's he's it, not Luisa Rise. Yeah, he, you know that's that's the upper limit guy. Luis Arise is his bat pick. He was a three sixty two last year, and his career his career is three forty three. So I guess if you want to yeah. say that's a guy that's uh, that's proved that's that the ninety ninth percentile though. Yeah, Jimenez is not that guy, but it was two eighty nine last year. The average on balls in play. So fair to say that he is. That's probably also low. I think average in baseball. I want to say is somewhere between. 290 about, and 310. It's about 300 now. It used to be about 285 and it's been creeping up. And the most recent data I saw at least was 300. 
Yeah, I think generally and historically, and this could have changed based on the uh, elimination of the shift or the reduction of how you can shift anyway. Uh, it used to be like, you know, anywhere between 290 and 310 was considered the normal range. He was a 289 last year, so his normal range. But uh, for his career, he's about 312. If you add 12, if you can add, if you add 10 points of average on balls in play to him, as that drastically changes a season. Um, is he ever going to come close to 2022 and that, that 142 WRC plus? No, I don't think so. But 100, 110, 120, I think 120 is probably a, ma- a max area of sustainability. Like, could he, could great. he eventually, could he, could he get, yeah, could he get to like, let's say age 27, 28, he gets to his, that's like the peak years of an athlete, right? 27, 28. Could he maybe have another year where he does 140? I mean, maybe it's possible, yeah. but I think that'd be he's someone a, who could be in one in the 110 range. And I know people are kind of love we're talking about. Again, for those who don't know, Waiter runs great at plus. Always to reset it. 100 is league average. So we're saying if he goes from a 97 to a 120, that'd be roughly a 20% increase in production. That's fantastic. I would take that every day of the week. If you can get back to that range, I'm, I'm going to settle for a 110 even. But I think he can do better. His We saw some weird things in the data, like his stat cast hard hit data was down. And then that meant he had more fly balls and less line drives. And as we know, fly, uh, line drives are the what you want. Those are going to result in hits more than you know, a fly ball or, or ground balls are the worst. You want to avoid those. But he just didn't hit the balls hard this year. And I brought it up a few times. I just feel like what we've seen since he got here is that he is a player who can sometimes – get caught in his struggles and when he gets hot, he gets hot and he's, he's flying high. And it feels like sometimes he starts to scuffle and doubt himself. And like he got sent down in the minors, had to regain confidence. It felt like he came back and was great and had no issues at all in uh, 22. And then this year it was, it was some downs and it seemed like he turned a corner and then things would go wrong again. And then finally in September, we had one consistent month that kind of brought him back to that league average total. Yeah, there's a couple of areas offensively that you can look at for Jimenez that give you some hope that uh, he not consistency, I think, is always going to be a question mark for him. I think he might be a guy who's streaky throughout his career. You might get some good months. You might get some bad months. I mean, he was mostly league average for, for the better part of <clears throat> the year. There was the one month last year in May where he was at a 60 WRC plus but every, every other month he was, you know, in the 90s or 100s. And yeah, September was a good month, but there's a couple areas of his game from last year that I think give us some confidence that he will rebound again, not necessarily 2022 levels, but he will be better offensively in 2024. And we will tell you why in just a minute. Before we tell you about Andre Semenez, let's tell you about how you can get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers can get that $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. If your team wins, that's $150 for you. So if you think about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. About time we start maybe uh, looking at the over-unders for the Guardians in, in 2024, division odds. Uh, a lot of things you can pick on there if you're not an NFL fan. Uh, we said the other day or all week that the Browns are in LA for the to face the Rams this week. That might be an ugly one, so I'm not really sure if money line is uh, where you want to go on that. But uh, 
we should start looking at maybe after the winter meetings, we start looking at some uh, some FanDuel odds for the Guardians in 2024 and see what we like. Last year we said uh, take the over on Guardians wins. We failed you there, and maybe we're not the ones you want to listen to. Maybe you should listen to somebody else. But what you should do is check out other things on FanDuel like spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get in on the action this NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. And before we get into more about Andre Semenez, really quickly, uh, with the winter meetings coming up next week, make sure you are tuned in to Locked On Sports Today. That is the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts from all of our Locked On shows, including our national shows, covering every league. So if the Guardians make any moves next week, uh, you might hear it from us on the Locked On Sports channel. You might hear it from Sully. You might hear it from one of us and Sully. Uh, go to the Locked On Sports Today channel on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Hopefully the Guardians give us a reason to talk to Sully next week. About so we know meetings, them. But they wait in the weeds. Nothing happens. <laughs> Josh, right I mean, the Josh Bell thing happened at winter meetings last year, so you never know. Was it? Was it about, I guess. That was the winter meetings, yeah. All right, so two things I, I feel good about with Andre Semenez offensively next year improving. One is... Um, StatCast has a page called uh, the swing take percentage. And basically what it tells you is um, how many runs a player was able to produce um, or, or had a run value assigned, a run value decide, assigned to them. I can't get that word out, assigned. Um, the outcomes are balls, strikes, or home runs. Obviously walks are good, strikeouts are bad, home runs are great. These are things that batters can control. So – the heart of the plate, they have the zones designated by heart, the shadow, the outside of the plate, which is a ball, and then the waist pitches, which is a ball that no one should swing at ever, uh, unless you're Oscar Gonzalez. Um, the heart of the plate in 2022, Andres Jimenez um, had a run value of plus seven. So that means he was hitting a lot of strikes, uh, hitting a lot of home runs, a lot of extra bait, you know, in, in that in that plane of the play that's where his uh his home runs were coming from that's where he was putting what he was doing well in 2023 it that regressed to negative six so that's a huge swing right that's that's 13 um and not, not good the heart of the plate is where you want to drive pitches it's where you want to not take strikes so his take rate last year went up to, up three percent he took three percent more pitches in the heart of the zone and maybe some of that is just sequencing maybe he's, he's struggling with uh fastballs and breaking balls he's, he's obviously being pitched different because he had a great 2022 i think uh it's not too hard to talk to a guy about just being aggressive in the heart of the zone hunting fastballs and driving them i i think i think andres menace would do well to kind of take the jose ramirez approach and hunt fastballs in the inner third of the plate and try to yank them down the right field line whether that's for a double or a home run I think that'd be good for him. And as that is something he should be able to do, he crowds the plate like Ramirez, which is why, you know, he gets hit all the time. Uh, doesn't necessarily have a great pull percentage. He does you like know what else he needs whole part of the field. You know what else he needs to do? Stop more. sliding into first base. <laughs> I don't see that anywhere on the stat sheet, but I agree with you. That's, that's a great way for him to, uh, play less get games hurt and years. <laughs> you know this is this is one of my personal things i'm sure someone out there is like he, you know i thought he had given up thank goodness 
Uh, he dives into first base and sports science literally did a thing that shows that yeah. like, this is less effective, like dive into any other base. It's dumb to dive into first. You can run through the bag, run through the bag, unless you are trying to avoid a tag, but he's not trying to avoid a tag. He somehow thinks diving in head first is the right thing to do, which is the worst way to go and the most likely for injury. So it can, can we also work on that? Yeah, we definitely uh, should work on that. I agree. The other thing I really like about him is, is his ability at left-handed pitching. So last year, uh, pretty good against lefties. First career, much better against lefties. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see some of the stats displayed. Another reason to subscribe to us on YouTube, because you can see what we're talking about when we're talking about it. So last year, 268, 328, 385 against lefties. That's good for a 101 WRC plus, one point above average. 315 Woba first career 282 344 412 117 WRC plus 30 333 Woba which is really good. This is a guy who doesn't have problems hitting lefties or righties. He's is he's equally as good against both if you look at his career. It's 100%. really nice when you have a left-handed hitter with his abilities for there's some pop, there's some speed. Obviously we know about the defense. Um I think that uh, the ability to hit left-handed pitching makes it easier for him to have a a solid offensive floor because you don't have to worry about platoon issues. So I feel like he'll be better in 2024 because of that real quick. I want to ask you to this, the contract, any, any regrets right now with this contract for, for Jimenez? It's, it's a big one, but it's, it's not big yet. It's not really big till he hits his prime seasons. And right now he would be going into our one. So, you know, we're probably talking about, I don't know what two million for him right now. Instead, he's making five, which is a bump. But um, my my only regret is, and we talked about last year, right? Like, so if he even comes close to replicating last year, he's making this contract is out of reach. Like they they decide not to gamble on um, him having another great year and then him playing his way out of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But they did sign him at peak. And he was likely to have some level of regression. The fact that it was such a high amount of offensive regression means they've overpaid. They, they just, there's no other way around it. Is is an overpaid contract slightly because they paid for a guy at peak. And if you can get to that 110, 120, then you're fine with it. This is still a solid deal with his defense all the way through to the end. If he ends up being closer to average, it's going to be an albatross in those later years. It very well could be. I mean, and to me, here's the thing is he would have been a free agent going into his age 27 season because he made his debut in 2021. Yeah. He's so, very young the Mets. yeah, he was very young. So his free agent year would, would have been originally um, 2027. And I think you have to consider when you're talking about the contract, what it was worth to get it done for them to lock him in for the next several years and then go out on the market and decide, okay, if, if Andres Jimenez is not locked in and he is a, a free agent in 2027, you know, what are we doing at second base or, you know, shortstop, wherever he ends up, what are you doing out there? Because 2027, you're likely to have, like, I'm looking at the list right now. And this is so far down the line. Um, like you've got Brandon Lau and David Bodie and Nick Madrigal and Jazz Chisholm and Jeff McNeil, who'll be 35 at, at that point. Like, again, this is so far in the future, it's hard to say, but like, that's a pretty weak class. And who knows who you'd be able to develop in the minors? We're going to talk about some of the prospects in, from 2023 as well. But um, 
you know, there, there's cost control here with, with Jimenez now. And yeah, you're going to be paying more on the back end of the prime years. But again, like 27, 28 is typically what you expect to have a prime season. And there's a chance here Cleveland gets surplus value out of this contract because let's say that Andres Jimenez shifts over a spot on the infield and he slides over his gold glove platinum defense to shortstop if it, if it works that way. I don't know. It's definitely tricky to, to assume that the level of defense he currently provides translates to shortstop. We think it can. He's been he's shown other places like WBC and winter ball that he's played good short. Um, could he do it over a full season? I think a lot of people think he can. You know, there's a chance that if he provides that level of defense at shortstop while being a, a league average bat, let's say 100 WRC plus or 110, or if he maybe gets to 120, there's a chance they have a surplus contract here because that shortstop defense becomes more valuable than the second base defense. There's a chance they have surplus there. So um, I think some of it also really hinges on where does Jimenez play over the length of this contract? Is it mostly second? Is it going to be shortstop? Which, ironically enough, Jeff, we are going to talk about here in just a moment. I said it was ironic, but let's be right. Nothing's nothing's too ironic on the show because we we generally have an idea of what we're going to talk about. <laughs> yes, agreed. Do you want to talk about the other guys who played second very quickly before we talk about? Juan Brito sure. and other guys. Yeah, you got so Ty- Tyler Freeman. Yeah, Tyler Freeman spent some time at second base last year. Played more of his games at third base, oddly enough, even though he's known for not having a great arm. Yeah, he's a better. So the reason he's at second base here. So we were kind of talking about who should we talk about from this group from last year besides Jimenez is um, who played the most innings there, and it was like, well. We're going to save Gabby Arias because he played shortstop mostly last year. And then we're going to save Jose Tena because he played third base mostly last year too. But we think that Freeman is long-term a second baseman. We think Tena is long-term a second baseman, though he can play elsewhere too. Um, and those were the most frequent guys behind him in his last year. So Tyler Freeman did fine. It was a very, very weird role for him. Um you know, he only played on Sundays for some reason. I'm not really sure what that was about. Maybe, uh, maybe it's just a day. You know, ba- people say baseball is a church. Maybe that's that's what uh, Tino just thought. Felt like Tyler that Green was, was uh, his rest day for whatever reason. He, he rested so yeah. put him in. Um, on Sunday, <laughs> except for Tyler Freeman. Uh, maybe time to go get your. There, there are so many Tyler Freeman truthers out there, and I. I've always been a little bit lower on him. Let's just be honest about that um, because I don't love that high contact profile with nothing else around it. Uh, it is just not my personal favorite type of profile. I think with him, you know, I know a lot of people last year would come out about the, the exit velocity, but again, it doesn't matter if you're hitting the ball on the ground and the launch angle isn't there. And I think he's probably more of a good backup or a second division starter. Um, I I know people don't want to hear that because there are points in time where people debated, was he the number one prospect in system? And some people ranked him there. I didn't. I still had Nolan Jones number one because I thought there were more overall tools. But Freeman is, I wish he had more trade value. 
because they have just so many middle infield prospects. And I think, you know, he, he does deserve an opportunity to play. Um, I think there's, there is a world where he can be, like I said, a solid second division starter, which is perfectly fine. I mean, Cleveland, Cleveland could use second division starters in most of the outfield. Uh, they don't even have that, but for a player who's like pedigree a few years ago was a lot higher. Is it a little disappointing now where we're just kind of naturally assuming that, well, he's a backup. Yeah, I think I think he is a backup infielder as well. I do think there's some offensive skills there that can make him, like you said, a second division starter. Um, that's not a bad thing, you know. I think defensively, obviously, second base is where it's at for him. You know, you could definitely play him at third and shortstop, and in the in a short term situation, I don't know if he's a guy you want playing there 120 games a year. But I think like if he plays like 20 games at one of those positions each, that's fine. And that makes him a good candidate for that kind of role. Puts the ball in play. Um, gives you a pretty good bat. He actually walked more last year than I thought he was going to. I, I was actually impressed with his walk rate. He has been a very aggressive hitter in the minors. And he was he was better at taking some walks last year than I thought he was going to be. Um, I think there's obviously more. I, I don't think – I think he can be a league average hitter at second base, 100, you know, 100 mm-hmm. RBRC plus. Are you going to get double-digit home runs on him? Probably not. I think you're talking about like a you know, it at what a ten a ten home run season from him is probably what you probably get from him maybe and maybe fifteen steals if he's an everyday player. Um, that's that's a nice starter to have in the short term. I don't know if it's if it's a guy you want um, if you're trying to contend for a division. But that's why they call it second division starter. We'll see. I do wish he had more trade value as well because he there are teams he could definitely start for Jose yeah. Tena. Jose Tena. Um, most famous moment for Jose Tana last year was replacing Jose Ramirez, um, and to make his major league debut after Ramirez knocked out Tim Anderson. That was the highlight of, of Jose Tana's season for everybody, but a rebound season for him in 2023, uh, after a down, not, yeah, kind of a down 2022 and actually really had a bad start to 2023. Ended up with a 112 WRC plus in the minors, uh, stats were just too negligible to mention in the majors because he played 34. He had 34 played appearances. So, um, but eight homers, 16 <coughs> stolen base out of 20 out of 24 attempts. I, I'm still on the fringe here. I just don't think he's a starter either. There's defense to play second, third, and short. It's an aggressive profile. He's worked to improve. I'll give him credit for this. He has also worked to improve his patience at the plate. Um, he's certainly a guy who can put the ball over the fence. Uh, because of his approach, you know, he can lift the ball and that might get him 20 home runs a year as a starter. But to me, it's also a second division profile, but uh, I just think back to, last year. to win after the hot AFL uh, on this very podcast is like, let's trade him for a disappointing Ian Hap. And I just wish that trade had happened. I mean, I know Hap would be on his way out now, but how much different things would be. He really peaked that year. They added him to the roster in terms of his value and his performance. He had a great AFL and he just hasn't been quite that same guy since to me, he's one of the, I'm making a list of the five guys right now in the back end of the roster. He's one of them. Uh, part of it being because they have so many infielders, good athlete hits the ball really hard whip, quick bat, but I, I don't see any, he just doesn't do enough offensively to be anything more than a backup. Who's a good athlete. Agreed. Uh, so the real question here we would want to talk about was, does Andres Jimenez stay at second base or should he? And the only way I can see that happening is, well, okay, 
you have the shortstop debate, which we'll talk about, but uh, whether or not Brian Rocchio or uh, Gabriel Arias can claim shortstop, I think is a factor here. But is Juan Brito the reason that Andres Jimenez doesn't stay at second base? Because that's the only place Juan Brito can really play defensively. Um, neither of us think that he is a anything other than a future second baseman. And if get look, if Gabby Arias and Brian Rocchio do not grab hold of that shortstop job, Juan Brito, I think, could push Jimenez over to short because your best combination in the future might be those two, at least offensively speaking. Last year, Brito, uh, 31 doubles, 14 homers, seven steals out of 15 attempts, not a great runner, but uh, he did have a 126 WRC plus and a 370 Woba between AA and AAA. Um, he was, you know, one of the best minor leaguers in the system last year behind Chase Lauder and, uh, well, he might even have had a better season than Chase Lauder, truthfully, uh, just cause he played more. And then you had, uh, you know, Manzaro wasn't out there till the end, but a down year overall. But I think if, if the reason that, uh, Jimenez doesn't say it's at shortstop, it's not because the other two couldn't grab hold of it. It's because Juan Brito might be the better bat out of all three of those options. Yeah, I, it just, I think we'll see Rogio and Arias battle it out. I think Brito's going to spend a good chunk of this year, at least to start in AAA. And then if those two guys struggle, if neither of them can be the answer, yeah, then Brito is the guy you bring up and he can only play second. He really can't play anywhere else. That's one of the big detriments to his overall value. Um, and then maybe got something there. We'll have to see. Uh, but he is, I think, a top five prospect in their minors right now. He is. I, I do like his game offensively. I just he doesn't have a real concrete home right now, and uh, puts a lot of pressure on the bat. But he had a good season in 2023, and uh, I'm excited to see what he does in 2024. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that gives Cleveland a lot of options between the two positions. So if it's a nice fail safe, right? If if this doesn't work out with Arias and Rocchio, I feel like. Brito is going to be a solid um, option for them to fall back on as far as the infield options because you can move him in as a shortstop. So I'll be curious to see about that. We didn't have time to talk about Angel Martinez and Aaron Bracho. Both, both of them really had poor years. And again, for, yeah. I, uh, I know someone's going to say Bracho didn't have a poor year. It just He's not a prospect for us right now. I'm sorry. Neither of them are top 15 prospect guys for us. Like uh, Martinez might have had one of the roughest seasons of any of the minor league prospects. But yeah. Um, I, none of them are helping next year. Let's put it that way. We're, we're not getting in deep because they're not helpers. They're not going to be guys who help this team next year get better. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening, rating, and reviewing. Downloading it helps. Being an everydayer here at Locked On Guardians. And as we always say, go, go, Guardians, go.